You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. My name's David, part of the team at Kingdom City. Who's ready for the Word of God today? All right, I knew I was in the right place. So let's pray, let's position ourselves. That's why we're actually standing, just to posture ourselves correctly to receive revelation. So Lord, from the front to the back, the left to the right, we thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. More than just another sermon, but Lord, you speaking a word into the now of our lives. We're ready for that. We want to go out of here, change, transform, shifted because of what you've spoken into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, God bless you, everybody. Oh, so good. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> I want to speak to you about living in the grace rhythm. Living in the grace rhythm. And we're going to begin by, by looking at Jesus taking a personal survey of what people were saying about him. There was all sorts of public opinions about who Jesus Christ was like. And so he says, what are, what are people saying about me, Matthew 16? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptizer, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But who do you say? He, he's saying that right here this morning. Who do you say? That's what really matters. Who do you say that I am? And Simon, this was his big moment. Simon Peter you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, right on. That wasn't you, Simon. That was actually you downloading a revelation from heaven. Well done, Simon. Simon got chuffed and had to get slapped around because he got full of pride if we kept reading. But nonetheless, Jesus is taking what well, he wants to know. Well, what's the gossip on the street about who I am? It's very interesting how that unrolled because people were already comparing or had a favourite type of Jesus. So some, some people, they liked the, the fact that Jesus was so uncompromising with his challenge of truth. So they thought he's just like John the Baptist, this really fiery preacher. And so to them, their Jesus was like John the Baptist. And then... Others, they liked the power, the signs and the wonders. So they, they had a Elijah-type Jesus. And then uh, others liked, likened him to Jeremiah, who, who was known as the weeping prophet. So they loved the, the, that, the gentle aspect of Christ, the, the loving and, and the compassionate Christ. And then still others, they said, no, he's one of the prophets because they likened Jesus to this an incredible ability to for deep revelation, to seeing deeply into something and wow. And so they all ended up with a facet of who Jesus was because Jesus was collectively all of these things, but he was not any of them in isolation. In other words, when you have a diamond, it's multifaceted. 
But if you take one facet and magnify it into the whole thing, you've actually got a distortion. So it could be that you have fashioned your own personal Jesus this morning. And I have to say to you, you've just settled on one facet of who He is. The splendour of who He is, the wonder of who, the multifaceted revelation of who. You're missing out on something because you've locked onto one aspect of who Jesus is. The full glory that He wants to bring to your life, you, you need to enlarge and, and see that the whole multiple facets of, of actually who He is. And so even though they were doing it way back then, we're still doing it today. I mean, you can go into bookstores, Karong and other places where they have polarised towards one facet of Jesus and they've written whole books on He's the best CEO leader of a company and all the leadership aspects of who Jesus is. He's, he's the champion of, pub, uh, of human rights and social justice. And again, today we still see people latching on to one aspect of Christ and missing out on the full gamut of actually who He is. What a, what a shame uh, that this is still happening today. And you can imagine why unbelievers are a bit confused standing on the sidelines watching the churches do this with Jesus and, and sort of saying, would the real Jesus please stand up? I mean, so who exactly is? I go to this church and they're pushing one facet and then and, and the, so it goes. And, and what a tragedy it would be for people to be rejecting Jesus based on the illusionary one facet aspect that was presented to them. You know, he's the turn or burn, gonna get you type Jesus. And, and that aspect was so exaggerated, that was how they saw Jesus. And so they rejected him because of the turn or burn aspect, uh, the John the Baptist perhaps aspect of, of who Jesus is. But also what a tragedy if you're here today and you, are serving this Christ with this polarised facet of understanding of actually uh, who He is. And, and so we want to we broaden that and see the, the, the full glory uh, of who He actually is. And one of the ways we can do that is to read the red. What do I mean by reading the red? Well, there's, there's a red letter edition of the Bible. Who's ever heard of that? Where they've actually, oh, actually, that's not too many. Well, okay, I need to explain to you what it is. Red letter edition is where they've taken the words of Jesus and they've printed them in red. So you can just quickly just read the red. Okay. So when I'm talking about reading the red, I'm saying let Jesus speak for himself. It's, it's great to hear all these great preachers and teachers, uh, telling us great messages, but from time to time we need to get back to reading the red and let Jesus Christ speak for Himself. Let's find out what exactly did Jesus say. That's great, that's wonderful, uh, but what exactly is the message of Christ? And so uh, I'm going to read the red to you this morning. Is that okay? We're going to read the red. We're going to go to the actual words of Jesus uh, in Matthew 11, we read, this is beautifully done by Eugene Peterson in his paraphrase, the message translation. 
Jesus speaking. This is us reading the red, him talking to you. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Yeah. Now, rest is not kicking back by the pool, sipping orange juice or whatever. Rest, he's talking about, is a position that you're actively working from. That's what it is. It's actually a place. That's why they would, the, the Sabbath actually kicks in at sundown. So their days, the Jewish day begins as the sun goes down. So their, their day begins with rest. In other words, the day that is a new day doesn't begin when the sun's coming up, it's the sun going down. Why? Because you're going to get up and work from rest. That's the way they understood it. You're now working from a position of rest. He says, work, work with me and walk with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Ooh, that's good. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And we've just read the red red of what Jesus is saying. This This is the lifestyle I'm inviting you into. And as I run that description over my life, and how am I going with that? Am I really living in the unforced rhythms of grace? Is that really my life? What's going on? How, how about you? As you heard Jesus describe to you the type of lifestyle He's inviting you into, and you ran that over your own life, how does your life line up uh, with that? And so I'm guessing that maybe some of us thought, wow, actually the comparison of how I'm living compared to the description that Jesus is giving of Christianity there, well, there's some gap there. And I'm going to suggest to you that gap is there because we miss something very important in what he said. If we could have that scripture back up again, he said we had to learn. We had to learn. This wasn't downloaded. This wasn't something I can lay hands on you and impart to you. We had to learn how to live in the rhythm of grace. We've got to learn how to do this. This is, And so that's what this message is about. We're going to look, we're going to keep reading the red because if Jesus said he would teach us how to live in this rhythm of grace, I figure if we keep reading the red, we're going to discover some of the principles that he taught about how this lifestyle, this rhythm of living in grace. By the way, when I say grace, I'm talking about you downloading a divine impartation of the power of God, enabling you to live among uh, above your human limitation. All right. So that's when I say living in the grace of God, this is you accessing the supernatural power of God, enabling you to live beyond your human limitations. When, and Jesus said, I want to teach you how to live in a lifestyle, a rhythm of life whereby you're accessing this grace. So we're going to look at a couple of things. There's probably 
a whole lot we could look at as Jesus was teaching us how to learn in the grace rhythm. But uh, let's, let's keep reading the red. Matthew 6, 39, he says, Give your entire attention to what God is doing now in your life. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Ooh, feel into grace. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up. Listen, when the time comes. See, what you're doing is you're throwing yourself into this drama and you don't need grace yet because you're projecting yourself. But he just said the grace will be there for you when the time comes. When the, years ago I used to lead missions trips and I used to get all everybody's boarding passes because they were young and they'd probably lose them all. And uh, so I'd hold on. And they were, when can I have, when the time comes, I'm going to give you your board. You don't need it yet. You need it when you're getting on the plane. That's when I'm going to give it to you. You don't need it now. So many of you are projecting yourself forward into some drama and you can't imagine how you could possibly cope with it. But I want to tell you, Jesus just said, when the time comes, I'll give you the grace. That's, that's how you're meant to be imagining it. Throwing yourself into the future. Drama, drama, drama. The only thing you need to know about your future is by the time you get there, the grace will be there for you. It's just sitting there waiting for you. What does he say? He says, give your entire attention to what God is doing now. I, I've got to admit that for so long, I've lived my life in this self-induced attitude of hurry. Because I, I just had this feeling that the life I always wanted was happening somewhere else. And I was in a hurry to get past this moment and go and find my life uh, somewhere else. So, you know, you're talking to me or someone, something's going on and I'm, I'm already in a hurry to get through this moment to get to where my real life is happening. And I missed out on so much because my real life was happening right there. You know, how ridiculous to think that life could be happening for you anywhere other than in this moment. The only place you're alive right now is in this moment. Just do a check. You're not alive in the past. You're not alive in the future. Your past is a thought memory. Your future is a thought imagination. The only place you're actually alive, experiencing life, is as it's unfolding in this moment. You, the quality of your life is an accumulation of how you've lived each moment. You want a better life, we'll start living this moment better. That's what you meant to do. And then guess what? It just becomes an accumulation of moments that you've lived better. And suddenly you're saying, wow, I'm living a better life. Well, that's because you, instead of rushing through this moment onto this fictitious, better Havana experience somewhere else, you're realising the only place you're alive is in this moment. Some people waste so much of their life waiting for their life to begin at a more opportune moment. You know, when I finish uni, that's when it goes. You know, when I meet my life partner, that's when. When I pay off my mortgage, that's when. When my kids leave home, well, that's a real, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but what about now? 
What about now? You're, you're, you're jumping over life as it's happening. Now you're missing out on the grace of God and what He's doing as it's unfolding uh, to you in this moment. I love the story of how, I wonder how we would have gone in some of the miracles cooperating with Jesus like we read about the disciples. If you'd have been there, one of the disciples feeding the 5,000, he's breaking up this kid's lunch and he's handing it to 12 disciples. How much do you think he would have handed to you? Not much. And then he's turning around and saying, see all those thousands of hungry people? Go and feed them. And you're looking at this going, no way, I'm not leaving. They'll rip me apart. You know, this is not going to happen. See, the miracle happened as they went. It did. Jesus didn't hand them this humongous, they didn't waddle over to the crowd like this. They walked over like this. Some of us would have refused to go. We would have said, no way. You give me more, I'm going. But the grace is provided in the moment. Many of us would have stayed in the boat. I'm not getting out of this boat. I mean, I've... My mum said, never walk on water. I'm never getting out of this boat. You stay in the boat. Uh, See, the miracle didn't happen in the boat. It happened as he got out of the boat. So what's Jesus saying? Come on, you want to live in this rhythm of grace? Then get out of the boat. Get yourself into a position where you actually need my grace. You don't need my grace to sit at home and watch Netflix. You need to put yourself in a position where you're actually accessing the grace of God. Learn, learn. This is us learning. Wow, this is us learning to access. Let's keep reading the red. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying what do we eat, what do we drink, what do we wear? Those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So what do we do? How do we live in this rhythm of grace? What's our posture? We're meant to be seeking first the kingdom of God and live righteous. And guess what? As you position yourself doing that, the grace will flow. He says, everything you need will be provided for you. See, Jesus is Jesus' main message was not love, forgiveness, heaven and hell. It wasn't. You check it out. Read the red. Come on. Let's get back to reading the red. He loved talking about the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is God's dominion, God's will being done on earth. So it automatically embraced all those other things we just mentioned. Again, we're, we're latching on to facets. He didn't bother. He said, listen, forget all those little individual truths. Let's talk about what this world looks like when God's the ruler of it and God has restored everything back to his original intention. And love is there, forgiveness is there, all healing is there, deliverance is there. Don't focus so much on the facets, pick up the whole diamond. Pick up the kingdom itself and it's got all those facets in it is what he's actually uh, talking about here. And so when we position, when we get that, we're actually getting back 
to walking in a position of trust because that's how he introduces it, uh, this whole thing. He's saying, don't worry about this or that like the unbelievers do. Position yourself in a place of trusting me and downloading my grace that I'm allowing to flow into your life, trusting me. So as we read the red on this one and we're learning how to position ourselves in walking and living in this rhythm of grace, we're learning that God's calling us back to a place of trust, trust towards Him. Now listen, here's what trust isn't. Trust is not you saying, I told God what to do and I'm trusting Him to do as He's told. So many people, I'm disappointed. Why are you disappointed? God let me down. Oh, tell me about that. Well, I told God what to do and he let me down. Well, guess what? He's all wise, all loving, all powerful, causing the planets to rotate. He's looking after so much stuff right now and you want to tell this God what to do. I'm so glad that God's not listening to me and to you. We'd all be in big trouble. Trusting God is not you telling God what to do and trusting Him to do as He's told. Trusting God is you falling fearlessly into the arms of an all-wise, all-loving, all-powerful God and not trying to control the outcome. That's trust. You are not trying to control the outcome. If you honestly believe that God is all-loving, all-wise, all-powerful, your only reasonable response to that belief is to give up control and fall fearlessly into the arms of that God. That is proof that you actually believe that. You're, you're trusting. So the reason why we struggle to trust is really a control issue. If you've got control issues, you're going to struggle to trust because that's what trust is. It's giving up control. It's falling fearlessly without trying to control uh, the outcome. So if we're struggling to trust, it's really a control issue. Uh, I love to give the illustration of, of 10-pin bowling. Uh, I am a very graceful 10-pin bowler. I have a quite unique style. I run up and then stop completely and just do that. I don't know why. I just Apparently, you know, there's just something in that technique and uh, I believe in it. But everybody has their own unique style. Next time you're at a Timbin bowling alley, just, you know, amuse yourself by watching the styles in which people bowl. They've developed it. Because apparently you can get the bowling ball, you can go like this, and you'd think by the time you let it go it's over, but... Not for a lot of people. It's not over. Because apparently if you bend your body like this, that bowling ball will be watching you and going, okay, a little, yeah, is that, is that? And if you contort yourself and you lift your leg and you go, and then if all else fails, you point at it and yell, come on, get up. The bowling ball apparently will respond. No, it won't. So we live our life like that too. We, we fail to realise once it's left our hand, we've lost, it's in the hands of God. Now, yes, raise your children, do your best, but there is going to come a point. I'm the father of seven of these wonderful creatures. There comes a point 
where you have to let go and go, oh God, I'm trusting you now. I can no longer twist, contort, yell, scream, thinking I have control over that individual. And I'm speaking to one sitting right there. No. <laughs> okay. But I was actually. But uh, So... These are things we have to learn. We spiral into this tight little dot of anxiety. You know, anxiety, you know what it is? It's you trying to control something that's beyond your control. It's you on the bowling alley, twisting yourself into a, you know, spiraling into a tight little dot of anxiety, believing that somehow if you could just hold yourself, you can control the uncontrollable. And Jesus said, no, that's not learning the unforced rhythms of grace. That's that's not how you're meant to be living this life. You're meant to be falling fearlessly. And I love love this giving up um, control. We hear it in the language of some great people in the Bible, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. I love the fact they say to the king, you know what? Our God's going to save us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, I love that. Even if he doesn't, they're giving up control. They're going to say, we're only trusting God if he does this. They're giving up control and they say, even if he doesn't, we're not going to, we're going to still trust God and we're not bowing down. The king of, of trusting would have to be Job. You know, you know, the story of Job where God, God's bragging on Job. Have you seen my servant Job? Listen to this guy. I mean, this, this will never make a fridge magnet in Karong. All right. Job said stuff you're never going to get out of a little Bible promise box. Oh, you know, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Great fridge magnet. Come on. Yeah. Though he slay every time he opened the fridge, though he slay me. Yeah, well, I trust him. You know, one of those little promise but what is it today? Oh, though he slay me. Yeah, well, oh, look, Mildred. Wow. I don't think so. I don't think that's gonna happen. It's not gonna, it's not gonna sell. But what that is trust. That is falling fearlessly. That is him saying, you know what? Even if I die, I'm still going to trust God. And the reason why often we try to and fail to get into trust is we, we try and leap there. We, we, we don't realise there's two intermediate steps to get into trust. So between here and trust, there's actually two steps. And then I get there. And those two steps are acceptance and surrender. And then you arrive at trust. If you try and leap there, you won't stay there too long because you haven't got there properly. You didn't work through acceptance of what's going on, surrender into the arms of God. And now you're, because you arrived at this position of trust properly, you're going to stay there. You're going you're gonna to live in the rhythm of grace. And, and so Jesus, uh, we see this beautiful two-step process of acceptance and surrender in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he said, uh, it says, he went a little further, fell on his face. It's such valuable that we have this prayer. You know, and there's not too many recorded prayers of Jesus. There's the prayer that he, he was teaching us to pray. But here he is. This is a genuine prayer where he says, Oh, my Father, 
If it's possible, let this cup, this suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, beautiful word of acceptance and surrender, not as I will, but as you. How do we know that Jesus got... See, without that, I wonder... See, we we rush to Calvary, but let's honour Gethsemane, where Jesus was actually falling fearlessly, where He was in His humanity obviously struggling. There was something real that every human in this room can relate to. Don't you think you have a Jesus that can't relate to your struggle? But He got to the nevertheless. That's In that word nevertheless is acceptance and surrender. Nevertheless. Come on, we should, we should start putting that nevertheless word in there uh, when we're talking to God. Nevertheless, and he falls fearlessly. And here's, here's where we learn something beautiful. As you stand in this rhythm of grace and you trust God, God sees it as worship. It's worship. Your life become as you live out in that in that grace, in that falling fearlessly, your life becomes worship. Because you know why? You're treating God as God. Not as a pocket trinket, lucky rabbit's foot, Buddha belly that you're pulling out occasionally, rubbing its tummy, making a wish. You're honouring God as God. You are my God and I trust you. I fall fearlessly. So, so we're learning these all things we're learning. If you're not there yet, that's okay because Jesus said we're going to learn this. This is, this is us learning the rhythm of grace, learning how it unfolds to us in each moment right now, grace flowing to you in this moment. Whatever you're going through, grace is flowing to you and we're falling fearlessly. And then we come to the last one that we've got time to look at this morning. We keep reading the red. We come to John 8, uh, 31, 32. Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then... So this is a lifestyle. We're holding the rhythm. We're we're not just periodically hitting it and then out of it. We're holding the rhythm. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says that truth has a liberating power. So if we peek behind every area of your life right now that you're in bondage, we're going to find a belief that we need to expose as a lie. Because that's why that bondage is there. If you've got any form of bondage in your life, right now this morning, there's a lie there. Because the truth will set you free. So find the lie and expose it. So I'm ending with this particular principle because I think it has so much to teach us and help us to understand about this rhythm, this lifestyle. Because if you're holding to something, it, it's... It is a rhythm. If you're holding the beat, it, it's, it's a developed uh, rhythm. And so we've got to understand this about truth, that it's not a pill that you take that will never wear off. It's, it's a path that you have to stay on. It's not a pill. It's a path. And it will continue to yield up its power to you, provided you stay on the path. The, the truth doesn't wear off like a pill, 
the truth loses its power because we wandered off from the path. That's what happened. And I guarantee once you get back on the path, that truth will immediately start to yield the grace that it's all we heard about that guy with tithing and etc. and so on. Get back on the path immediately. You're back onto the position of grace where it's flowing into your life. And I love, I'm, I'm going to end with this word picture that I discovered many years ago in the book of Isaiah of how as we're walking on this path and we're yielding our heart and we're trusting God, we're accessing something really beautiful. Uh, and it has to do with acknowledging in this room right now there are, there are what we would call lesser truths in your life that are operating. You might be here sick. You might be here struggling with anxiety or, or mental illness or you name it. And, and we can't say, oh, oh don't, let's, let's not even acknowledge it. We need to say that's a lesser truth. But guess what? There's a greater truth that that lesser truth must yield to. And as I get on this path of truth, as I get on this path of truth, my lesser truth yields to the greater truth. And so this is what Isaiah is pointing at in Isaiah 40. He says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings. And, and hidden here is a beautiful word picture because the word wait means to bind together by twisting. If you're a student and you love to Google that, go right ahead. It actually means to wrap yourself around something. That's what it actually means. They that are wrapping themselves around the promise of God, guess what? They renew. The word renew means exchange. So I'm going to demonstrate what that looks like with this very long ribbon that I've got up here. Imagine this is your lesser truth right now in your life. This flimsy week, you're struggling. This is the sickness you're struggling with. Well, guess what? Watch what happens to this ribbon when I start to wrap it around the greater truth, this microphone. It begins to take on its strength and shape. There's an exchange that starts to happen as I wrap my lesser truth around the greater truth and provided I keep it there, because as soon as I wander off, I'm back to my lesser truth. But if I can just keep, so let the weak say, I'm strong. Let the poor say, I'm rich. What are you doing? You're, this isn't us hyping ourselves up. This is us letting our lesser truth yield to the greater truth of God's Word in our life. So if you're sick this morning, you wrap yourself around, the Lord is my healer. By his stripes I am healed right now. And I feel the exchange of God's healing grace coming into my body. If you're struggling with anxiety right now, you wrap yourself around. My peace I give to you, not as the world give I to you. These are all greater truths. Come on, let's bow our heads right now in this place and be in this moment with God because His grace is available to you right now in this moment.
As you close your eyes, bow your head, I want to say to you in the name of Jesus Christ, it's time for you to get your life into the rhythm of God's grace. Learn it. It's not a pill that you take once that'll never wear off. It's a path. And if you wander off it, you'll lose all the grace that's available to you. Jesus said, I am the way. And so without him, we're lost. He said, I am the truth. And so the further we drift from him, the more insane and bizarre our behaviour comes. He said, I am the life. And so without him, we're empty and powerless. See, your spirit already knows this. Your soul knows it. That's why for many in this room, you're restless because your soul's crying out to get to connected to the one that created it. We were made by Him and for Him and your, your innermost being knows its Creator and its longing to be reconnected, restored. Your soul will remain restless until you discover, wow, I'm home, I'm home. My heart is reconnected with the one who created me. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.